The Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now, your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Welcome to another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. How are you, folks? Today, I woke up with one thought on my mind. I thought, Renee Langvart is going to be on the show. One love, one heart, one Renee. To tell you a little bit about Renee Langvart, she is a business owner, visitors and residents of Clay Center, Kansas. Maybe all too familiar with 505 Court Street in Clay Center, which is the home of the Java Junkies Coffee Shop. Renee's business, Java Junkies, was named the Business of the Year for the state of Kansas. She was also given an award of merit by the Kansas Department of Commerce. But at the end of the day, all of these awards, all of these titles, I think what means the most to people of Clay Center is coffee and lunch. Yeah, that's right. That's how they vote, right? Yep. <laughs> lunch is crazy here. Is it really? Yeah. Uh-huh. So people come in and are they in a hurry? Uh, it depends. I mean, some people are. I pride myself on being like a super quick turnaround. Part of that is my formula for how I cook. Mm -hmm. And But then people always tell me how grateful they are that they have a place that's quiet and comfortable and relaxing where they can come and talk uh, with their friends and enjoy time together and not feel rushed. It's usually super chaotic in here during the lunch hour. And, but yet, like, it's still intimate for people, even though it can be really, it can be really crazy in here. People call ahead. It's kind of, people have learned over the last few years, uh, so I only make so much food every day, and when I'm out, I'm out. And so I like to kind of create that exclusivity, and so people will call ahead and reserves, you know, lunches or whatever, and it just works for me really well. So you were mentioning this environment of calmness where people feel like they can meet their friends and it's it's not overly loud. But behind the scenes, there are the things that keep the place running. And that means yeah. you running yeah, all around. Yeah. So what would somebody who goes to a restaurant or a coffee shop or a bar for that matter. What do they not see? Um, let's see. I would say they don't see how much work goes into being prepared to be able to. So let's say you come up to the counter and you order, you know, an Americano, for example. Okay. So I have to have all of my supplies in place and prepped and ready to go in order for you to get your drink in a quick and efficient manner. So when people order coffee, okay, so obviously I only have two hands and there's only so much I can do. And there's only so fast that the machines can brew house coffee, you know. So if I have 20 people that come up to the counter and order a cup of coffee each, you know, like there's not enough time in between to have that coffee constantly you know, there, it's not like the fountain of youth. <laughs> it's not like, you know, it just comes out of the woodwork, you know, somebody has to make it. And I think a lot of people forget that because in this day and age, the mentality that people have is it's all about me. I want it now. Actually, I want it yesterday and I don't want to wait for it. 
and that is just not the case. And there's only so much, you know, even if you were to go to a fast food restaurant, there's still someone in front of you, most likely. There's still someone that came before you that they had to take care of, you know, but just not realistic, honestly. Hmm. So what are you hoping that people get out of the experience of going to Java Junkies? Um, hold on one second, Paul. Sure. Sorry. It's all right. Good morning, Java Junkies. Yes. Yep. Yep. Do you need a drink? Okay, perfect. Thank you. Bye-bye. Sorry. <laughs> I assume you're going to edit this. Oh, I'm not editing that out. No. So you were saying what what you hope people get out of the experience more than just coffee when they come to Java Junkies. So honestly, you know, like what I always hope and pray that people get out of coming in here is that they matter and they're important and that they're not just a number. That's what I always want for people to understand. That people really do care that the world isn't maybe necessarily how TV portrays it to be, that there really are people that care about people. You know, like when I walk down the street, for example, you know, because Clay Center is a very small town. We have about 4,000 people here. I pretty much know almost everybody. Um, so when people walk down the street, you know, like I make, make people talk to me. I'll make them have eye contact with me. And I'll say good morning or hello or, you know, like you look nice today or whatever it is. And, you know, most of the time I'm always fascinated by how surprised people can be when I say something like that, you know, because they either have their face to their phone or their faces down and they're walking around and not paying attention and kind of oblivious to the world that's around them. And it's like, okay, so like we don't have to be best friends, but we're still, you know, humankind and we're people and, you know, we can treat each other with respect and you know be cordial with one another and you know by saying hello to someone that doesn't mean that you want to know their life history and you know want to get into a political debate or a religious debate or anything like that you just want to say hi you know and I, I think that people forget the power of just saying hello or have a nice day or how are you today you know and that's yes it's a superficial question but I think it breaks down boundaries and barriers between people you know I have friends that are completely opposite as far as the political or religious spectrum and yet you know like we know that we don't not have to talk about that we know how each other's you know how we feel with each other but that doesn't mean that we can't care for each other and I think that our world today has completely forgotten that that unless you agree with me we can't be friends we can't be civil we can't love each other and it's really a sad thing and it's Sounds like a Hallmark commercial, and I don't mean it to be, but I do believe that people, um, the only thing that be, being tolerant has made us is actually become intolerant. So I really want people to, you know, get along and love each other when they come in here. So, hmm. And I think that's really what happens. Hmm. Because why? Because I think I lead the initiative there. Mm-hmm. I think that there's people that, like I just said, they know that I disagree with them, but that doesn't mean that I can't care for them, you know, and, and it's not even like a disagree 
like, uh, well, I'm going to pray for you. Maybe you'll get your act straight. Like, not even that kind of a disagreement, but just, mm-hmm. okay, let's just agree to disagree. And there's, it's okay to disagree. And that doesn't mean that we still can't have a relationship. And I really feel like our country as a whole does not think that way anymore. It's either my way or the highway. Yeah. I heard a, I heard a high school girl the other day. She was in here. And they were in here for probably, I don't know, two hours hanging out. And I said something to her like, how you doing? And she goes, oh, I'm just so frustrated with my peers. They just think so stupid and I don't even want to talk to them anymore. And I thought it was so, um, it really shows like a window of how the younger generations think now that, I mean, she was completely intolerant. They were wrong as far as she was concerned. They were completely wrong. And I think that it's a very arrogant place to be. Like, who says that you're right? You know, like, what gives you the clarity or the um, the position or the power to think that you are, albeit the end all of end all, and like your opinion is the only one that matters and yours the one that is the standard? That is stupid and foolish. But I think that that's kind of like how our, the younger generations think. What would you say that your parents taught you that has prepared you for life? Hmm. Well, I think, oh, that's a hard question. I feel like mom and dad did a good job of teaching us how to accept others. And I think that because we, you know, grew up in the Philippines, you know, part of our lives... Being in a third world country and being around such poverty, I mean, that's definitely a huge life lesson that you can't look down your nose at anybody, you know? So I think that them giving us that opportunity, those exposures, I really feel like that really changed kind of like, it helps to change the way that I look at things, knowing that I'm not privileged. I hate it when people say, you know, like, one of my pet peeves words is blessed. I hate that word. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. You're no more blessed than anybody else. You know, you might work harder and so you have a better paycheck or something like that. But blessed has nothing to do with where you are in life or where you're, if you're white or black or anything like that. You know, like kind of like with when people say that kids that have abnormalities, like physical abnormalities, that they're different or, you know, not normal. And it's like, who's to say what's normal? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I guess, like, I I try to be as tolerant of people um, and love people as they are. And I think that mom and dad really, I guess, laid that groundwork for us. And definitely mom and dad taught me how to love the Lord. I mean, that's the basis of who I am. That's, that encompasses everything that I do is because of my love for Jesus and my work and my family and in my home. And when I think about mom and dad, that's where the foundation was laid. So that's the biggest thing. Who would you say is the most interesting person that has walked through the doors of Java Junkies? Bill Shapiro. Bill Shapiro. Yep. I'm fascinated by him. He's so he's the guy that I told you about that is writing, that wrote the book. Well, the listeners don't know who this is, so tell them okay. about Bill Shapiro. 
Okay, so this guy comes walking into, and, and what's cool is we have a lot of people that come through Java Junkies, okay? Because um, we are on, Clay Center runs on Highway 24 and Highway 15. So if people are going on a highway, like interstate highway, chances are they're going to run Highway 24, okay? So we have a lot of people that travel, especially like to Colorado, because Col Highway 24 takes you straight to Colorado, okay? So you have all these people that travel and that, you know, like they'll punch in, you know, coffee shop near me or whatever. And they end up in Java junkies. So Bill and Naomi Shapiro came through, I think it was last summer and they both ordered, I think Americanos, if I remember correctly. And Americanos are usually like, I can tell when people have a little more sophisticated palate because they'll most likely order a drink like that. Okay. So I started talking to them or whatever and found out that they were taking their child to Colorado for a school visit. Okay. So I start talking to them. So I'm always fascinated when new people come in the doors and start talking to him and found out that he used to work for, he was a, a writer for Time Magazine. Okay. So I'm like, that's really cool. So I said, what brings you, you know, like whatever. So he starts asking me about my time, um, like how, I made it to Clay Center because most people are like, well, are you from Clay Center? And when I say absolutely not, you know, and I tell them my background and they're like, how did you end up in Clay Center? So we started talking about my background and long story short, found out that I was that, you know, mom and dad were missionaries. And then also that I had done mission work on my own through the church in Siberia and Jamaica. So we start talking about that and he was fascinated. Well, then he starts telling me that he's writing this book about things and how they shape and form our lives. Okay. So he gives me his business card and he says, can you email me? And I'd really love to talk to you again. So he interviewed me and then he calls me back like, I don't know, a few weeks later and he reads to me what he took from our conversation and I was blown away. And I said, you, per you like wrote my entire life's purpose in a paragraph for something that I was not able to audibly express. So he was able to take it from what happened to me and this memory that I have specifically surrounding these Russian dolls. And it blew me away. And I said, not only was it beautiful what he wrote, but I said, you, you wrote me in paper and he said, well, that's what I do. You know, like, that's my job. It's my job to capture those moments and be able to write authentically about someone. And I was just floored, absolutely floored by what he wrote. So he's by far, I actually have a tie for, and then we have another guy that came and he lives in New Hampshire. Okay. And every summer he, he's a professor at one of the universities there. Every summer he bicycles. And this, it was two summers ago. And at this particular summer, he chose to bicycle across Kansas and I think Colorado. And then he writes memoirs of his journey and they go, he purposely goes to small towns, you know, to, to become a part of the culture and see it all. I'm still friends with him to this day. We email back and forth quite a bit. He has a lovely family. And, you know, he was a part of the culture here in Clay Center for a week. And, you know, we always say that, you know, give us a week and, you, I mean, you'll feel right at home. And, you know, we still, we talk all the time and 
he just had another granddaughter be born and, you know, it was just a chance meeting, but I know it wasn't chance. I mean, I know that the Lord purposely brought him into Java Junkies, but yeah, just a super special relationship that happened on a whim. And it was because of the people that came in, you know, just off the street, wanted to get a cup of coffee. And then, you know, they, I think that I can say safely that most people leave knowing that they got more than a cup of coffee. So, On the more practical side, when somebody comes into Java Junkies, what do you suggest that they get? Now, my favorite's iced coffee. I drink iced coffee every day. In fact, I go to bed looking forward to waking up so that I can have my coffee. So when people <laughs> ask me what I want, or what I suggest, I always say, you know, like, do you like iced coffee? If they do, then I say, well, that's my favorite. Now, as I've gotten older, my taste has become a little different, and I actually like it just coffee and cream. No sweetener, no nothing. And then you get the real taste of the coffee. You know, and so, like, if they don't know, then I'll make suggestions. Right now we have Candy Bar Creations. They're coffees that are inspired by favorite candy bars, cherry mash mocha, a Twix latte, a almond joy mocha, and then a Snickers latte. So fun to try different things. Most everything is, you know, we make up, sometimes we copycat recipes, but like the cherry mash mocha and the Twix latte are completely, completely our recipes. So just really fun. Do you ever have special events at Java Junkies? Oh, yeah. Tell us about that. All the time. A couple months ago, I had a dinner theater here. I teamed up with our local Tiger Speech and Drama through the high school, and we had a dinner theater. Next month, I'm having a pitch tournament. Um, do you know what pitch is? It's a card game. I don't know what that is. It's a card game. So we're going to have a tournament in the evening. This summer, I'm going to have summer nights, family game night, and people can come in and play board games with each other and do fun things together. Just different things like that. What? Okay, get a Snickers latte. Do you know how to make that? I know what to do. What? I'll do it. What size? Small. Small Snickers latte. <laughs> I guess you got to get going soon. Yeah, I have to go. I can actually do this one-handed. Oh, okay. This isn't a big one. This is... I don't have to cook this one. So, what is the best thing about being Renee Langvard? What's the best thing about being me? Um, I have, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that. I feel like I have everything. Honestly, I don't want for much. And when I do, it's just greed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I enjoy my life. I love my children. I love my family. I love my friends. I love my customers. I love my job. I love my store. Of course, there's challenges and there's days that I want to scream, but all in all, I mean, I mean, I have everything I need. I have cows. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love cows? I would also say that it's pretty cool when you have a purpose and a job come together and when you know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt. Not once do I ever question if this is what I'm supposed to be doing and that gives a lot of peace because I think a lot of people they go through life and they think you know well I don't know if I should be doing this or 
I don't know if this is really where my heart is or whatever. And they maybe just go to work. And mine is beyond that. I know that every day when I open up my doors that either people that I need to see or people that need to see me are going to walk through those doors. And I've really learned that what I've created here is it's way more than food. It's, it's way more than food. Like I had a friend, one of my best girlfriends, she had a, she's really struggling and she came in just sobbing and later she texted me and she said, I knew I just had to get to Java Junkies. And she was upset and so I had her sit in the back room. And after she left, she texted me and she said, I knew that once I got there, I'd be okay. And like, I've heard that from other people too, that they just need to be here. That when they're here, and I know it's because they feel the Lord here, you know, that the, the Lord is with me. And I know that without a shadow of a doubt. And, you know, people, people need it. Like it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's hard to explain, but it's way more than a coffee shop in my heart. I mean, it's always been a ministry, you know, loving people. And cause that's my true purpose in life. You know, God created me to love others. And I feel like, you know, the thing about food is that people really connect with food. You know, you think about what do you do when every time there's a holiday, what do you do? You eat, you eat. You break bread together. Whenever there's a celebration, what do you do? You eat. You eat. <laughs> when people have to have conversations or heartfelt, you know, discussions with each other, what do you, I mean, most people say, like, let's go have a cup of coffee. You know, let's sit and chat. Let's visit. You know, so there's those elements that it really, it's a very, very close-knit, intimate thing. And so if you provide a place that people can really authentically do that and genuinely do that with one another, it's amazing, like, the amount of things that you get to be privileged to. You know, like, two summers ago, I think, or two springs ago, it was really cool. Like, I got to see this boy and a girl have their first date together. You know, and it was so cute to watch them. You know, they were nervous as all get out. And, you know, like, it's cool to see that kind of thing. It's cool to see, like, celebrations take place and happen in front of you and, you know, kind of be the fly on the wall that a lot of people talk about a lot of times and maybe need to have, like, a, a hard conversation with people and they want to come somewhere that's safe. And they come here because, like, they know that I have a no gossip tolerance policy. Like, I do not tolerate gossip. So this is not a hen house. This is not a place that people come to talk about other people. And people know that about me. They know that I will not allow that here. Hold on, Polly. Okay, baby cakes, what am I doing here? Is this for the meal? Is this for everything? Just put it all together, yeah. For sure? Yeah. Okay. Because there's not that much of a difference. Uh, uh. So I'm basically just going to ring you up for your meal. You want to do whatever the difference is. Oh, it's, it's nothing. Are you okay, my love? Oh, this is my brother. Hi. He's interviewing me. I think that's awesome. Can you see you? Hi. Your sister's fabulous. Can you see him? My brother has a radio program. Is he famous? He's interviewing me. <laughs> I love you so much. Bye, honey. Hi, brother. I know. Super squish. I'll come over and love on you in a minute. 
How are you? Do you can we get you anything? A meeting. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Okay, Polly. Well, I can tell you're busy. So I was going to just ask you this. We just never know who's listening whenever we say anything. You know, we don't know who's going to be listening to this. So very, very open-ended, wherever they are. What would you say to them? To not give up and that you're loved. Never give up. Even when you feel like giving up because there's so many days. Like this morning, I just wanted to like literally turn the lock and walk away. Hmm. You know, because stress is overwhelming and there's a lot of things that, you know, most of what happens in life is out of our control. You know, we can't control if somebody cuts us off in traffic. We can't control if the water heater bursts unexpectedly. You know, like it's life is about dealing with those things. And there are things that we can control when those unexplained things happen. We can control how we act and we can control how we choose to handle those situations. And so for me, like dad said a couple years ago when I was at the brink of just like absolute frustration and he sent me this, you know, cliche saying, but it said, it's not over yet. Get your fire back. God says it's not over yet. And so you can't give up. And I actually have it written on a bracelet. It's not over yet because it's a good reminder that even in this hard moment, so like today might suck, but tomorrow might be fantastic. So we don't live for those moments. Like we live for the moments that are really fantastic. And those are the moments that get us through the hard ones, you know? And sometimes I have to tell myself, like I audibly tell myself, don't give up. Just go one more minute, one more hour, one more day, one more week and see where you are at the end of that week. The other thing I would tell people is that I think something that I'm dealing with right now or like learning that God is teaching me is that, you know, definitely the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results, okay? And I think that a lot of times in life, you know, we fall into that trap. We keep doing the same thing and expecting something different to happen, and then we get frustrated, and then we fall into that vicious cycle. And so something I'm teaching myself is... To Okay, so like if you've tried something one or two times and it just isn't working and you feel like you're banging your head up against the wall, take a couple steps back, look at the problem, and to try to go at it from a different angle. And, you know, like I have a business coach. I don't know if you knew that, but I have a business coach. And one of the things that he's taught me is that you are in control of how you choose to act upon things. And... Making excuses doesn't take responsibility for whatever's happening. So it's not enough anymore to say, well, that happened or um, my boss was mean to me and I hate my job. So make a choice. Are you going to make the best of it or are you going to find something else? So learning that there's choices and literally everything that we do 
rather than falling victim to things, because I think a lot of people fall victim to things. So I always try to tell people, you know, like, keep going, even if you're frustrated, take a step back, maybe and reevaluate and see how you can maybe try it from a different angle. And it's okay to try things from a different angle. I think some people, they ask me a lot, like, because I've been through several businesses now and people like after I closed Total Addiction, they said, well, you weren't a fit. Like they were trying to comfort me and they were saying, well, you weren't a failure. And I would say, I know I wasn't a failure. I chose to give Total Addiction up because I knew that it was the, the right business decision. I knew that my time and my efforts needed to go somewhere else and that somewhere else could be way more productive. And so I think like there's a standard in society where they think if something doesn't work, that it's a failure. And I disagree completely. Failing to me is like when you absolutely just stop trying. And giving something up sometimes does not mean that you have quit. It means that you're trying something different. So I think that's those are some of the lessons that I've learned that I try to pass on to people, you know, to give them hope. I want people to know that they're loved, you know, like... It breaks my heart when I see people that feel like they have nobody. breaks my heart. I can't handle it. Well, Renee, thank you very much. Thank you, Polly. I love you. I love you, too. You're my favorite brother. (laughs) (laughs) I'm my favorite brother, too. No. (laughs) Tell Coco I love her. I will. I miss you both. miss you, too. All right. Well, have a wonderful day. You too, Polly. And night. And night. (laughs) Okay, bye. The Paul Leslie Hour is hosted, produced, and written by Paul Leslie for Lifestyles Entertainment. For information, visit thepaulleslie.com. Thank you for being with us. Until next time.